Welcome to the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. And in this podcast, I speak with impact-driven founders and share their real-time stories about how their solution has a positive impact on society. This is a show for founders, investors, and all individuals looking for some positivity and optimism as you hear from people working hard to help better our society and our planet. You can expect to learn about some awesome new products and services in this show that will bring you more hope in our quest to solve some of society's biggest issues. Let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. We're returning to the continent of Africa in this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast as I'm sitting down with the founder of Hello Tractor, Jahil Oliver. Hello Tractor uses digital tools to connect their ecosystem of partners from tractor owners to tractor operators and farmers in need of tractor services in order to improve their yields and earn more money to help empower their local economy and communities. Farming and agriculture is a super important industry in Africa, and the livelihoods of many smallholder farmers are tied to their ability to produce solid yields in their farms. Hello Tractor does a great job at providing various different technologies to their partners, including fleet management, GPS monitoring, farmer bookings, and much more. I found this to be a fascinating and innovative solution because of the technology that they are providing to their partners to help power the economy and the lives of people across Africa. It's one of the most innovative parts of the world today, and I think you'll find this solution very interesting as we learn more about the agricultural economy on the continent of Africa and the great work that Hello Tractor is doing. So let's get started with this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. We're heading back over to the continent of Africa in this episode of the Talking Solutions, a podcast as I have the founder of Hello Tractor with me today, Jahil Oliver. And Jahil, thank you so much for joining me from all the way across the other side of the earth right now. How are you? doing well. How are you, Will? I'm doing just fine. I'm excited to to learn a little bit more about Hello Tractor and what you guys are doing out there because, you know, for me, agriculture, farming, things of that nature, I've done an episode with One Acre Fund um, out of Africa and all the great work that they're doing. Uh, you guys are obviously providing tools and resources uh, for these smallholder farmers as well. So really excited to jump in to this episode here. And Jahil, on that note, I would love for you to just provide a little bit of background about yourself, a little bit of background about Hello, Tractor, and, and how you kind of got started on this journey. Thanks, Will. Well, as you mentioned, I'm dialing in from, from Africa, from Kenya. Been living in Nairobi here for about four years. Prior to that, I was living in Nigeria, where I started the company in Abuja. But I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. So how does a Cleveland boy make his way all the way to this beautiful continent that I now call home? Started my career in banking, but I always knew I wanted to do work that was more meaningful for me, where my talents could be applied to to problems that I cared about. And for me, that was really identifying commercial solutions to these deeply entrenched uh, problems affecting impoverished populations. And so I had the unfortunate experience of working through the global financial crisis and a lot of the work I was doing um, was in, in mortgage-backed securities and, and real estate investment banking. And that gave me a real opportunity to evaluate what am I doing with my time um, and how can I apply my time better 
um, doing work that's more meaningful for me. So long story short, up and decided to quit that job kind of on a whim. Um, I'd already started doing some work, volunteering my time in the microfinance industry, was presented opportunities to work there full time. And the global financial crisis was just enough of a push to say, you know what, let me let me try something new. So I quit, started doing consulting work in microfinance, did that for about four or five years. And my observation there was, you know, these banks are doing great work in, in financing low income populations, but they weren't really engineered to support agriculture and farming. Um, farming comes with a very unique set of risks many of which banks avoid like the plague as they should, but it is the most important industry for uh, reaching those living in these, in these lower income rural communities. Uh, and so I decided to, to start applying my talents there and, and increasingly taking on work within the global agriculture industry, um, still focusing in the emerging markets, um, Africa, Asia, and, but thinking about where that commercial nexus is between high impact work in agriculture that is commercially scalable. And that piece was important because without that scalability and commercial sustainability piece, you know, there's just a finite amount of philanthropy in the world to, to attack these problems. So you need to be selective about when you apply philanthropic capital versus commercial. And so just just started hacking away at it, came up with the idea for Hello Tractor on a project that I was working on actually in the Philippines, decided this is more than a consulting assignment. This is actually a company. And uh, from there, launched the company, moved to Nigeria, which was a massive leap and got to work. And that was kind of chapter one of Hello Tractor. Wow. How about that? And, and when did when did you start it? When was that leap that you made when you were in the Philippines and you decided this isn't a consulting gig? This is a real opportunity for a company here. That was that was 2014. 2014. Yeah, 2014. So we've been at it for eight years. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations on eight years. And, and I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit more on the commercial kind of scalability of it and why that was so why that was such an important aspect of it that any company that you were going to jump into, especially one of this magnitude, needed to be a commercial solution versus uh, the alternatives? I'm a masochist, so I like pain. <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, there's, you know, often when we think of work in Africa, a lot of people apply a very philanthropic lens to bringing solutions to the continent. The way I was raised, the community I grew up in, it was also low income on the east side of Cleveland. And what I found is that there's so much pent up opportunity, so much potential that was lost because people didn't see the value in the members of the community. And because of that, they didn't finance those folks who had great business ideas. You have, they wouldn't give mortgages for folks who wanted to do basic stuff like own a home. And I thought, wow, these experiences really, um, it will frustrate me to observe those in my own community. How can I bring that same need to invest people's unlocking people's value to a new environment like Sub-Saharan Africa and bring dignity to the work that we do with these communities? That piece was important for me. And beyond that, if you're serious about solving the problem, you have to consider how to bring in these commercial primitives because it is very difficult to mobilize the kind of philanthropy needed 
and and philanthropy has its place in other areas, right? Um, some things just aren't commercial, but agriculture can be a, a commercial industry, I believe. Um, certainly, there are things that need to happen from a policy regulatory perspective, the operating environment more tolerable for commercial actors. But there's a lot of potential there and unmet potential. And the global food system needs Africa to commercialize itself so we can all feed ourselves. Right. So there's a there's an economic opportunity story in commercializing African agriculture. But then there's a global food security story in commercializing African agriculture and unlocking the potential of these rural entrepreneurs across the continent. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. And that, and that definitely kind of resonates with some things that I've read. I'm by no mean full disclaimer, everybody. I am not an expert in this field on, on that nature as well. But, you know, I've, I've read my fair share of books and that's definitely one of the big things they they always talk about is that uh, the biggest thing about uh, Africa is not necessarily the philanthropic efforts, but most importantly, how can we create a supply food chain that can provide them to be able to self-sustain themselves, which kind of leads me into the next question. For those that don't know, here at home in, in the U.S., you you know, we're, we're, you know, you're initially from the Cleveland area where I'm from on the West Coast and the Seattle area as well. Educate us a little bit about the importance of agriculture in Africa and, and as that, especially with smallholder farmers out there as well. I feel like sometimes in the U.S., just because of the scale of factory farming and, and mass scale farming, we, we kind of lose touch a little bit at times of, of what that life is actually like. Yeah. So so if you look at the, the role agriculture plays as an economic engine, job creator, um, from a civil um, stabilization uh, perspective, just the the ability to employ youth and and uh, stabilize these rural economies, the industry is huge, right? Forty percent of the continent's GDP is derived from agriculture. Fifty five to sixty percent of the labor force is involved in agriculture or agro ally industries. Uh, and even if you think about um, globally, the the share of children involved in child labor. In Africa, some like 85% of the kids involved in child labor is is because of agriculture. Um, because you, you want to send your kids to school, but if you don't have enough food to eat, right, you have to prioritize. And so these young kids are are being asked to do work that not even adults should be really doing because there's this depletion of labor in these rural communities largely because of demographic changes that we're all seeing globally, but most acutely in Africa, like rapid urbanization, aging farm populations. So there's a lack of labor in these communities to do the work. So children are being asked to step up and do that work. And then simultaneously, there's no equipment, right? And this is where Hello Tractor comes in. Uh, there's a dearth of, of agricultural equipment. Africa is one of the least mechanized regions on earth. I won't go into the, the, the depths of the statistics. The idea is that many of the farmers that are commercially engaged in agriculture, these are smallholder farmers. That's exclusively our customer base. They all, they're small, they live at or below the poverty line, but they're willing to invest in their business. And they actually have the capital to invest in tractor services. Now, they can't afford to own their own tractor, nor should they. A tractor would only be needed on a smallholder's field maybe one or two days out the year. But having reliable and affordable access to that tractor is a huge unlock for them. And that's where we apply technology to first sell a fleet management solution to a farm equipment owner, 
where they place our GPS devices on their machine and they have our apps to provide them reassurance that when I send my tractor and my operator, my tractor driver, um, you know, 100, 200 kilometers to the next community over or maybe even the other side of the country, I can see exactly what's happening with that machine. I can see how much work is being completed. I can see the fuel consumption and fuel theft. I can see maintenance. Um, so I, I, I feel comfortable deploying that machinery. And simultaneously, we built apps to help organize and digitize the farmers who are in need of these services using community-based agents, young people who use our booking app to book on behalf of the smallholder farmers because they aren't necessarily whipping out their smartphones, booking tractor services, right? But young people, obviously, this is true for young people all over the world. Like I'm not on TikTok. I don't understand it, but my little nieces and nephews love it. Um, and I think that's true across all industries, including agriculture. Te- young, young folks are quick to adopt new technologies, including booking tractor services. So we leverage that and they become our agents across the last mile to organize the farmers, book the demand, and they're paid for that. So that's an employment opportunity for these young people. Um, and it brings by digitizing these, this demand, it brings transparency throughout the workflow. So that was kind of our our approach and 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 how we entered into the market with this tech enabled commercial solution. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm definitely we're definitely going to dive really, you know, much more into detail about that solution what you provide for, but you did say one thing that kind of, you know, stood out to me a little bit as well and that was the adaptation of technology with young people, right? You see that all across the industries, you know. I I I did that when I was in Missouri, you know, I was the young guy and a bunch of old timers at the radio station, I wanted to implement things. They're like, "What? That's not how it's done." Uh, so, but I'd be curious to know uh, just over in the agricultural sector over in Africa, uh, for those that obviously aren't aware of what's going on in Africa or haven't been in Africa or things of that nature uh, as well. How has that kind of evolved, digital tools? How have those kind of evolved over your time there? And then what have been kind of some of those challenges of being able to implement that from an actual implementation perspective since you've arrived there to kind of get Hello Tractor going, since I know a lot of, uh, you know, your business is through digitization? Yeah, I mean, you know, Africa is such a diverse continent with so many different cultures and um, even subcultures. Uh, which makes the work fascinating. It's also diverse in levels of infrastructure. Where I am now in Kenya, we probably have more internet coverage than we do in the U.S., right? But where we started in Nigeria, we would have gaps that we needed to innovate around from an infrastructure perspective. So what does that mean for us? On the tractor owner side, if I need to have full visibility into my equipment, but I'm operating in an area with low connectivity or no coverage. What we did to respond to that was allow our tractor owners to store data locally on the machine. And when the machine does come back onto the major roadway or into an area with connectivity, they get a full data upload. So our machines can operate for over a month without connectivity, but the tractor owner won't lose that data, right? So that, that piece was uh, a way to get over those constraints on the tractor owner side, along with, you know, human-centered design and making sure our tractor owners are brought along with us along the, the tech development journey so they can communicate to us what they want and we meet their needs and not make assumptions about the tech that's needed to, to solve their problem. 
On the demand side, similarly, uh, all of our apps, our booking apps work in offline mode. So, well, if I'm out at your field and there's no internet connection, I'll be um, collecting your data in offline mode. And then once I get uh, back into a coverage area, I get a full upload of that booking data, including walking the plot boundary, because we might take this for granted. Many farmers don't know the size of their field. And so being able to walk the plot boundary gives them an indication of, oh, I have a 1.2 acre plot and not a 0.7 acre plot. And I've been paying for the underpaying for services all this time or um, misrepresenting my field. And, And so that's valuable. But it also brings, again, that transparency. So now that you have that digital record, that digital footprint of the farmer's field, you can actually watch that that GPS antenna enter into that plot boundary that's been digitized and see that tractor going back and forth. And you know when the job is complete. Right. So you're, you're not relying on people. You're minimizing the amount of decisions a human has to make. And you can automate a lot more of the workflow by bringing in that digitization, but in very simplistic, accessible ways, considering you know digital adoption, while it is increasing at an incredible pace, still hasn't reached some of the markets that we operate in. Yeah, that's such a great solution. And I love the offline mode as well, where you're able to do that and you can just kind of quickly, as soon as you get back into connectivity, be able to uh, kind of get all that data and put it in there on that front as well. I want to go into a little bit more of a question, uh, more about the importance of kind of a tractor to farming for those that kind of don't understand. Can you tell us a little bit about the boost in results a smallholder farmer can get if they're able to use your tractor just even a few times, like you mentioned before, hey, I can't afford it, but obviously I can go through this a company who's offering it as a service. I can do a simple booking and then I can come to it. How much of a big benefit is that for these smallholder farmers? Let's take a quick pause to talk about some facts about farming in Africa from the Borgen Project. So starting things off, roughly 65% of Africa's population relies on smallholder agriculture. Smallholder agriculture is when one family grows only enough food to feed themselves without much leftover for trade. That surplus is then usually stored to last the family until the following harvest. Women make up the largest share of the agricultural labor force in Africa, and they produce 80% of the continent's food. But despite creating and producing 80% of the continent's food, they're excluded from determining agricultural policies and certain laws that deprive them of their land and livelihood. Africa also has the largest number of child labor, and the agricultural sector accounts for most of it. And on top of that, Sub-Saharan Africa contains 19 of the 25 poorest countries in the world. And a negative thing affecting farming in Africa is that the Sahara Desert continues to grow. And that is a future threat to farmers is the Sahara Desert. So these are just some facts about Africa and about farming in Africa specifically and some things to keep in mind and to provide more context as we learn more about the important solutions that, for example, Jaheel has with Hello Tractor in this episode of the podcast. And also, if you refer back to the One Acre Fund podcast episode about their solutions to empowering smallholder farmers in Africa as well. So I hope this provides a little bit more context for you when understanding how important agricultural and farming is in Africa. So let's get more information and learn more about Hello Tractor 
with Jaheel Oliver on this episode of the Talking Solutions podcast. So I mentioned, um, first of all, the addressing of the labor gap and enabling through a simple service like a tractor coming out, kids to be able to go to school. I mean, it's a powerful example. And it's not that different from what happened in the United States is we approached the Industrial Revolution. We moved away from family farming. We had a mat. I mean, that was largely the end of slavery for us was bringing in automation and technologies like the cotton gin. Right. Um, and then we moved moving into the Industrial Revolution. We had a lot of kids working in those factory lines. We don't talk about this a lot, but our labor markets have evolved similarly. And then as we automated and brought in machinery and and more equipment that reduced the need for child labor and opened up more efficiencies and a huge unlock for the U.S. economy, at a macro level, similar trends are happening in Africa and and technologies like mechanization are accelerating this, this progress, right? So that's a macro. Down at the field level, you're talking about being able to plant 40 times faster than conventional manual labor and at one third the cost. Okay, so there's a huge, huge time saving, but also you're saving a ton of money because manual labor is more expensive and it's just largely unavailable. Right. If I need to put up a fence, I can drive to Home Depot, pick up a few guys. They'll help me out. I pay them for the service. That, that doesn't really exist in agriculture. You're waiting around for labor to free up. And for every day you plant late uh, in the rice production system, for example, you're losing about a point to a point and a half in yield. If you plant 30 days late, you're looking at at least a 30% reduction in your yield, right? And the most important decision a farmer makes every single season is getting that seed in the ground the right time. That's the biggest impact on yield. And so having the equipment to ensure that these these crops get planted at the exact right time, particularly because we're talking about rain-fed systems, is mission critical for the farmers. And the tractors enable that. Um, And that leads to to income growth. 93% of our customers report higher income because they have access to tractors. And over half of them didn't have access before we entered into the market. And so uh, we're really trying to drive on not just yield outcomes, but also income outcomes and giving these growers the the resources they need to grow themselves out of poverty. Yeah, exactly. Going back to that self-sustainable model uh, that you mentioned early on as well uh, on that note. I mean, lots of really interesting things within that answer there. You know, I didn't even really think about from the implementation in the U.S. You know, when you think about the Industrial Revolution, I mean, yeah, people forget. I mean, it was, what was it, Ford in the 1920s or whatever when we went to a five-day work week? And yeah, before that, it was seven days a week or whatever it was. Crazy. I mean, grinding it out. I mean, Look, God bless these earlier generations. These were some hard working folks. And it was through automation and new technologies and new business models like what you mentioned in Henry Ford pioneering the production line that 
gave us an opportunity to shift over to a five-day work week and, and produce at a higher level. That's what technology does, right? And so the thesis behind Hello Tractor is no different. Hell, you're even seeing it go to four-day now. The UK just had some 100 companies that jumped on and said they're not reducing any pay and they're going straight to four days. So who knows? <laughs> it's it's incredible what it all can do. <laughs> but Indeed. Uh, Indeed. another thing, uh, yeah, uh, uh, another thing I want to ask you about going back to your specific solution as a whole, the technology that you kind of provide, uh, you know, you said you've been going at it now for eight years. How has your kind of technological journey kind of evolved within Hello Tractor from kind of where you guys started? What type of features and services were you able to provide? I mean, now it sounds almost like it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know if um, kind of like almost an Uber in a way where you can just kind of like book the service and get the tractor, get it delivered and all that as well. Uh, how did that start to where it's at now? How has that kind of evolution taken place? It's been an interesting journey for sure. We've learned a lot and we've pivoted multiple times and I expect us to continue to adopt and modify our technology in response to our customer and the needs of the market. When we started, our theory was that a low horsepower walk behind tractor looks like it actually looked like a little lawnmower was what the market needed. Um, and it was a versatile piece of piece of equipment that can do basically everything a farmer needs done on their field at an incredibly low cost. Uh, and we put our technology on that machine to enable some of the, the value prop that we that I've discussed earlier. And then we had an SMS based booking application where people can just text a short code to book that mini tractor. What we observed is we need a slightly larger tractor uh, because the small ones lack mobility. And without mobility, you can't travel from agroecological zones to agroecological zones to pick up new seasons. So in the tropics, you have a lot of climate diversity. And, and just being able to travel, let's say, 150 kilometers down the road, you can be in a in a microclimate that is completely different than the area that you just left, which means you can keep your tractor busy for, let's say, another two months just by driving down the road. Right. But it's hard to move those those mini tractors. They don't they're not really road ready. <clears throat> so they're, they've been those machines were very successful in parts of Asia, um, particularly high dense population areas like Bangladesh, India. China as before it evolved and became more uh, mature agriculturally. But in Africa, you don't have that density of population and they're growing very different crops. So you need a different equipment. So we moved on from that and just focused on, okay, look, folks want the technology uh, to track their equipment, but they don't want the stupid tractor that we were trying to sell them. So let's decouple it and sell the, the, the fleet management technology as a standalone so solution. Simultaneously, we observed that Booking through SMS sounds great. It's accessible. Most of our farmers at least have these little feature phones that aren't, you know, smartphone enabled. The challenge with that is a farmer is not willing to make one of the biggest investments that they will make that year by shooting out a text message. It's a much more personal engagement. They want to see who is booking this tractor service? How reliable is it? Do I trust this person? Do I even know this person? I don't just send off text messages into the ether for something that is quite literally going to determine the economic and financial outcome for the entire year, right? For my family, right? And so leveraging on the community-based agent model enabled two things. 
we were able to first build on the relationship capital that these young people already had by recruiting trusted young people who know hundreds of farmers in their community. That's that's the first piece. The second piece was through us by providing them a smartphone. You don't need each farmer to be tech enabled. You just need to train one person who can then go out and book hundreds of people, right? Digitizing their fields and bringing that transparency that comes with digitization. And that unlocks other services as well, because we can see more. We know exactly where the farmer is. We have the plot boundary. We know basic information on primary and secondary crop. So when those rice farmers in Western Kenya um, have some feedback around things like we need better improved seed varieties, we can help advise them on that because we know now. And that's not data you can easily capture over SMS, right? Uh, so that was a huge unlock as well. Um, and then the last piece that I think was a transformative step for us was the introduction of our tractor finance product. Um, what we observed is that these community-based agents, some of them were really going after it and, and would have in excess of a thousand farmers that they've booked for. All right? These these young people don't need to be just middle middle men or middle women. They themselves can actually be tractor owners because they have such a large network of farmers. They can absorb the cost of ownership of a tractor, but they're unbanked. They don't have access to credit lines and all the things that we take for granted. Uh, there is no way one of these customers would be able to walk into a bank and say, give me a $40,000 loan. I got a great business idea, right? Um, so Hello Tractor came in and through digitization, we were able to select these high performing agents and say, hey, Will, you got 1,200 acres. That's actually enough to qualify you for a 75 horsepower tractor with the implements to service those jobs. We launched that product. And in the first six months of the product launch, we did over $5 million in loans. Our customers are repaying at a higher rate than conventional borrowers from commercial banks who buy tractors for similar reasons. And the elegance of the structure is that we underwrite their book of business, not their financial profile. So we look at their booking data and we say, this is actually a good book of business. We'll give you the loan. Once we give you the machinery on loan, um, we track your performance against that plan. We hold you to that and we collect at on a weekly basis loan repayments based on the work you completed. So it also adjusts for the seasonality of agriculture and the, the cyclicality of the cash flows coming off that equipment. And, and that was a piece of kind of elegance that the team came up with to adjust for the, the unique nature of agriculture that commercial banks often struggle with. That's a wonderful solution on that note, to be able to provide that type of access, to not look at the financial profile, but the book of business instead. The repayment rates, like you said, are higher. Uh, you know, I, I was sp speaking with um, Matthew Forti of One Acre Fund as well. They have a repayment program with some of the work that they do. He also said the repayment rates were ridiculously high. And so, I mean, that goes to show too that not just uh, your solution 
as well. But the work ethic of these, you know, smallholder farmers and the work ethic of these booking people for the tractors and, and what they're able to do with the amount of land with the farms on that front as well. So that's that's really great. I, you know, based off that and something I've heard you say quite a lot throughout this uh, conversation is the importance of understanding what the clientele needs and, and really getting to know what that solution is and things that are actually going to benefit them instead of just coming up with what you think is going to work as well. Take me through a little bit how you engage with your clientele and your customers and the types of questions that you might ask, you know, how often and things of that nature as well. Because, you know, I, that's one thing that's really stood out to me in this is, is the importance and the emphasis that you're putting on these people to really make sure that you're building for them. Yeah, it's actually funny you mentioned Matt. I know Matt well. He's uh, We work closely with One Acre. I mean, they have such a good, rich farmer network. And uh, yeah, they, they, they are really doing good work in, in organizing these communities. So in, in I should the, ask him for an intro. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, they're actually they're working on a project right now. Um, it, it escapes me the detail because I'm not the person working on it from our team. But I know I just saw Matt emailing the team um, as recently as last week on some stuff. So it's funny you mentioned that in, in our workflow, we on the tractor owner side, because we are in that double sided marketplace where we have two sets of customers on the tractor owner side. We have to put the GPS devices on the tractors because we need that visibility and our customers demand that of us. So we fit those devices. We have field engineers that'll go out and, and fit your tractor with this technology. And, and we take this for granted, but tractors that are sold across the emerging markets, roughly 1.8 million of these machines are sold a year. They don't come with any GPS. They don't come with any of this fancy technology that we see in cars. And certainly the tractors that are sold in North America have, they're fully autonomous and they got all the satellites and everything. Um, our, our farmers don't have access to that type of equipment. So we bring it to them um, in a very low cost, and elegant use of basic GPS technology and some fairly complex data models that take vary that basic GPS data and convert it into insights similar to what you would see on a larger piece of equipment. Um, so that's the, that's the tractor owner piece. On the farmer side, the booking agents are going out and really identifying clusters of farmers that need similar services at the same time within the same vicinity. That's what allows a tractor to go into a community and not work inefficiently but rather go into a community and have a well-organized pocket of demand that they can service, let's say, for the next month or so, right? And that reduces the, the fuel spin, the carbon footprint on the, the, the tractor, and the profitability of the equipment. Now, each farmer being booked within that cluster of demand is providing information like, of course, their name, their phone number, so we can follow up with them. Hey, how was the service? Here's your we just SMS you your digital receipt, that sort of thing. But then also your primary and secondary crop. So we can investigate ways to further support them. Hey, I noticed you did three disc plow for your maize field. Have you thought about doing regenerative agriculture? Can we introduce you to a service provider that can help protect your soils while, oh, by the way, sequestering carbon, right? And agriculture is a huge emitter. Of, of greenhouse gases. And so we get that information so we can do that necessary outreach. And lastly, and maybe most importantly, um, we're just doing simple stuff like digitizing their fields. So they know exactly how big their field is. And with that digital record, 
we can see when the work is completed. And that ensures that the farmers are getting the services that they need on time. It also allows us to cross-reference the data that the tractor is telling us with what the farmer requested. And that brings that, that transparency benefits the tractor owner, it benefits the farmer, and it benefits us, right? And ensuring that our farmers are, be, are satisfied and being serviced with what they requested. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. It sounds like a pretty solid model. Sounds like a pretty solid model on that front. And it seems like something that's definitely been refined and worked on uh, quite heavily by you and your team on that front. Jahil, moving forward, you know, I, I would really be curious, uh, you know, you've mentioned a lot, you know, again, just and even based off that last question, where do you kind of see the agricultural uh, trends going in the, I guess, you know, not just the continent of Africa as a whole? Where do you kind of see it kind of progressing, you know, in the next 10, 20 years as, as they continue to utilize this technology and continue to produce better yields and continue to then mean that they get better income, which then means more education for the kids, more opportunities and things of that nature? How do you kind of see that progressing in the next decade or two? Uh, well, first of all, it's going to, you know, providing these farmers with the opportunities that they need and not just with Hello Tractor, but our partners. And we work with a ton of ton of partners. And we just hosted an event at our offices last week where we had partners from John Deere speak, the folks at Google who are, you know, assisted us with some AI capability, Norfund, massive DF development finance institution, bringing liquidity into, into the agricultural ecosystem. Um, so we're bringing all these partners together to make sure that the needs of the farmer are holistically met. We know our place in the market. We focus in mechanization, but we also bring digitization and coordination of the last mile so that our partners can plug in their capability. And with that, those collaborative approaches, we're able to bring economic growth and stabilization into these rural communities. And then when you pan out and you go back to the global food system, there's there's a huge benefit for all of us sitting in Seattle or sitting in Nairobi to bring more resilience in our global food system. And I believe the work that we're doing will help to create Africa as a sixth global breadbasket. If you think about where the food is produced today, you have small pockets of high producing regions. Um, you have, of course, the U.S. Midwest and the Canadian prairies. You have northern India, eastern China. You have the Black Seaport and Russia, Ukraine. And if you think about what I just mentioned, like just those regions alone, we've had significant disruptions in production in Russia, Ukraine because of geopolitics. We had a significant disruption this year in northern India's ability to produce because of abnormally warm temperatures. They were supposed to have a bumper crop, meaning, meaning overproduce. But because of climate change, they underproduce. Those two events overlapping put significant pressure on the global food system. We saw a rapid depletion in food and grain inventories. And it's caused the, the policymakers and the business community to rethink food security at a global level and look at how we can build more resilience to climate change and these geopolitical shocks. And the, the, the region with the most potential to address these issues is by far and away Sub-Saharan Africa. And the potential to unlock that 
that value rests in closing the yield gap so that farmers who are just growing on their, you know, one acre of land have the inputs that they need to maximize productivity and just grow at the level of what farmers around the world are growing. And, and that's a very well understood formula, but you have innovative business models to make sure they can access these inputs like fertilizer seed and of course mechanization. Wow. Yeah. That's super interesting when you look at it at that point, especially with the two prime examples that you made in, in Northern India. And then obviously with the, the war and the geopolitical stuff going on in Russia and the UK right now. But, um, you know, uh, just to kind of, as we, we move forward and, and kind of wrap up this episode up here, Jahil, and, and on that front, you know, there's one thing that I want to ask you on a personal level as well, because it sounds like you've had a hell of a journey yourself as, as somebody who, you know, started off working. Working in, in the financial space and then consulting for yourself and and within that as well and kind of at some points maybe thinking okay I know I want to do something more impactful I've, I've talked about this I've wanted to do this for so long but I'm not quite sure what and then you figured it out you started the company eight years later you're still rocking with it as well uh, what have you learned the most about yourself and and as a founder uh, throughout the journey from you know just getting out and getting into the workforce to where you're at now. We're taking a quick break to promote an old Talking Solutions podcast episode that I think you'll find interesting if you're enjoying this episode so far. I had the opportunity to speak with Matthew Forti, the managing director of One Acre Fund, about how One Acre Fund empowers smallholder farmers in Africa by providing them the resources and education they need to produce high yields and build up their livelihoods through farming. It's a really interesting episode and it has been one of my my favorites that I've had the opportunity to record because we really go in depth about the impact farming has on the economy and local communities from allowing kids to go to secondary schools to providing a more balanced and healthier diet for families. I recommend checking it out on all of the major podcast listening platforms of your choice. But for now, let's continue to learn more about Hello Tractor and what Jaheel Oliver is doing in this episode of the Talking Solutions podcast. I think the, the lesson that is maybe most salient would be the importance of self-awareness, what really brings you joy. I think oftentimes, especially in the US, success is defined by how much money you make. And there's a lot of ego and purpose and social capital tied up into your paycheck. And I think it, it causes a lot of anxiety. It causes a lot of mental issue, mental health issues that oftentimes we don't talk about in, in the U.S. People just simply are not as happy as they should be. Right. And that is a fact. Right. You can go look across the world. There are despite even economic challenges, we do not track very well against other nations and I think a lot of it has to do with how we prioritize the financial health of a person over the holistic health. And a big part of that is purpose, right? And, and, and understanding, and this is where it goes back to self-awareness, what do I care about? Um, what's important to me? What's going to bring me joy on a day-to-day -day basis? I work incredibly long hours. I do not mind. The only conflict that I have is I've got two beautiful little girls and I want to spend as much time with them as possible, right? If it were not for them, I would not mind working on this stuff all day, every day, because it is genuinely enjoyable. It's intellectually stimulating and, br and it brings a ton of purpose to my life. 
I have no complaints about my lifestyle. Right. Um, and I think I had some sense of that from just having that awareness passed on to me from my parents and emph- the emph- the emphasizing the need to, to live in a, a more purpose driven lifestyle. But not until I actually made a transition into the work did I realize the impact it would actually have on my own personal happiness. Uh, and that was a lesson that I learned that I, that I hope that my journey would in, will inspire others to take a deep look at what they're doing and make a decision, sometimes a difficult financial decision on how I'm choosing to use my time as a professional and is it genuinely bringing me joy, right? And I think your, your career trajectory um, touches on those themes, right? You're, you're a storyteller and you're bringing powerful stories to the world that would otherwise go unheard. And I'm sure that feels good. And I'm sure you enjoy that work, right? And I think the same is true for so many others, but a lot of times folks don't look within and figure out what is really gonna make me happy and be brave and courageous enough to pursue that. Words of wisdom, my friend, words of wisdom. I agree with a lot of what you have to say, I, I, you know, and, and a large part of that is is because, you know, part of that, what I do is is talking to people that try to solve those problems that you're exactly talking about on that front. Um, are you sure you don't want to have another podcast episode where we go into further detail about that? Let's get a season going. Let's get started. No, um, Jaheel, it's fantastic. I, I really do agree with that. And, and congratulations to yourself as well, especially when you kind of took that leap and uh, took that leap of faith, if you will. And, and now you're seeing you pay a lot of dividends and a lot of purpose-driven work on that front and making a huge difference in a part of the world that, that like you said, can potentially become that sixth breadbasket, if you will. So what your service is allowing those uh, smallholder farmers to do, those tractor owners as well, and that flip side too, and that whole ecosystem is fantastic. So I applaud you for that and, and uh, really much appreciate you coming on the show as well. But before we kind of wrap things up in general, please share some opportunities for people to learn more about Hello Tractor, uh, how they can support, whether that's just a simple follow on social media, if you will, or anything of that nature. Maybe people might want to work for you now. Who knows? Uh, you know, What are some ways that people can uh, get in contact with you on that front and, and learn more about Hello Tractor? I mentioned I'm, I'm too old for social media. I am on LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out there. <laughs> um, we also, I mean, you can check us out. Uh, we got a website, www.hellotractor.com. We are, we're on all the socials, but don't even ask me what's there because I'm not on them. But I think in, in terms of how people can contribute to our work and high impact work in general, um, we're always on the lookout for, for high performing talent for a variety of roles. Uh, we are a data and tech enabled company. And so mopping up talent from, you know, places like Twitter, Meta, Amazon in your backyard as, as these tech companies lay folks off, I think is it's an opportunity for us to attract some of that talent um, to the work that we do. I think that was right now what we're going through in tech is what I went through during the global financial crisis where I did I had to do a retrospect and look at my career and say, is this the is this the way I want to spend my time? Um, and it became brutal. When when things are good, you know, it's it's great. Right. And that's and during that run up to the financial crisis, we were all making money. Everybody was happy. And then when things started to crumble, you started to see the real nature of the industry. You started to question, wait, this company, number one, does not care about me. Number two is not even doing things that I actually am that interested in and or passionate about. Um, and I think we've reached that point in global tech where there was this abundance of opportunity. The job markets were incredibly tight. 
And as a result, it was really hard for impact um, entrepreneurs like the work we're doing at Hello Tractor to attract that talent. Now things are changing. You see 11,000 folks getting laid off at Meta. I think Amazon just announced a couple days ago, another 10,000 people layoff. Twitter's a disaster right now. Uh, and so there's just a lot of opportunity for us to attract that talent. So this is the call to action to those listening who want to do work that that matters to them. I promise you, all we have to offer is high impact work, um, a comfortable salary and great vibes. <laughs> great vibes being of the utmost importance. Of, of you know what I'm saying? I say the best for last. <laughs> Exactly. Jahil, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast and having a conversation with me. I've really enjoyed it so much and learning more about the great work that you guys are all doing out there uh, over on the African continent on that front as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really appreciated your time. My pleasure, Will. Thanks for the platform. That is the founder of Hello Tractor joining us on the podcast, Jahil Oliver. Again, you can learn more about Hello Tractor by checking out their website. That's hellotractor.com. That's hello, T-R-A-C-T-O-R.com. Uh, Jahil may not be on them, but you can certainly find the company on social media, Hello Tractor, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. All those links will be available on the website and, of course, uh, you know, within the show notes as well on that front. And then you can follow them on LinkedIn, too, uh, and connect with Jahil potentially. And if you got a job or if you're looking for a job, an opportunity for high-impact work as well, you heard Jahil, go ahead and reach out to them as well on that front. But that is going to wrap up this edition of the Talking Solutions of Podcast. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate you dropping a review. Give it a little five stars, if you will. Subscribe. And if you're interested in the newsletter, getting it on a more regular basis as well, sign up for the newsletter as well to get some more information, behind the scenes type content on that front as well. And stories on impact investing, uh, social entrepreneurship, and then, of course, tips on to being more of a sustainable consumer as well. So it's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I appreciate y'all for hopping on and listening, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talkin' Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talkin' Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.